This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. Paul McGowan, it is wonderful to have you back with us. It's been a while. Thanks so much for joining us once again. Thank you very much. I'm pleased to be back. Um, yeah, looking forward to what comes out, really. <laughs> we, we will see. You never really know, do you? <laughs> it's always fun having you on or even better catching up with you in person. Um, but people can find, obviously, the website, paul-mcgowan.com is your website. You... I, don't, I don't even update that yeah. website anymore. <laughs> I don't even okay. update it. I, but I'm, um, I'm, I'm going to be releasing things in a very different way soon. Okay, well, that shows certainly what you have done in the past, back to, from your Eden project up and other works. But maybe if we can jump in and start on COVID. Um, you had done a, a series on the coronavirus pandemic. Um, do you want to start with that and tell us about that before we move forward with what else you've been up to? Okay. Well, that I did in 2018, before there was a coronavirus pandemic. So as I worked on that, I was because there was so much information coming out about coronaviruses, and I'm I'm a bit of a genetics nerd, and I read up anything to anything to do with um, hominids or anything, I'll read it. So I was I think I was just looking for something for an idea to do, and then I come across the coronavirus papers. And I thought, well, this is going to be my last ever big body of work because my hands are getting worse and worse. I've got terrible arthritis from holding pens for years and uncles with the police on the surgery. So I thought, right, this is going to be my last one. So I'm going to do it as a pandemic, coronavirus pandemic. And so I just happened because all the paperwork was coming out. I was reading all the pandemic papers, even up to event 201 in 2019. I couldn't believe how much was coming out. And when there was a COVID pandemic, I was like, I can't believe it, you know. It, I've just done this for two years leading up to that, and it's actually happened. And it looked to me, it was just almost unbelievable. All these papers about coronavirus pandemics coming out, event 201, then it actually happened. And I just immediately, I knew so much about coronaviruses right at the very beginning, so I've just done that whole body of work. And um, I just thought, wow, that is just an amazing coincidence. You know, or is it a coincidence? I don't know. But um, I think they was doing a lot of research on coronaviruses. And I just think something happened along the way, you know. But um, I will say this. When I was reading the pandemic papers, not one of those papers ever said anything about locking people down. They didn't say anything like that. They, they all went shutting down the airports and travel. But it was they wasn't shutting down jobs, businesses. None of the pandemic um, information that I was reading... That was just something that got bolted on at the end. I don't even know where that come from. But, um, of course, that because that work had been out for quite a long time before the pandemic, nobody had a problem with it. But as soon as there was a pandemic, <laughs> pandemic, it's, um, then it became an issue that I was profiteering from people's deaths. And um, I wasn't profiteering people's deaths at all i just my you know it's, i took the virus the exact images straight from medical documents you know i played around with them but obviously and changed colors and things but 
But um, I just thought that was a massive coincidence. Tell us about what does it mean, coronavirus art? Uh, Tell us about that and what goes through your head to bring that out. Do you know what? As that was going to be my last big body of work, I, I was just having fun with it, using all these different viruses, making up all these skeleton people, sticking wings on them and all crazy shit and then um, make, to make it look a bit like end of the world type thing. And um, But I made it really bright. And um, I used lots of archaic um, comic book um, titles for it and I, put, I, I just pieced them around. It took, it took about a good year for me to do that body of work. Um, but I absolutely loved doing it. And when it came out, it was people loved it. But then when the pandemic hit, then all of a sudden I'm property and property and people's deaths. You know, it's just what am I meant to do? You know, <laughs> what am I meant to you should have read the thing. I look, of course, straight away loads of it were re, was reported and people had problems. They went, I I still had social media back then. So um, of course, all my pages were downrated by all the COVID fanatics. And, um, yeah, and the emails I used to get, just, I thought, I've done them in 2018, 2019. I mean, but the funny thing is, even people in the art world say, oh, property and people's deaths, they come out of it as well. And then now, or then all of a sudden, every artist was doing things with coronavirus thing. And I'm like, um, well, how, is, how, come, how come it's all right now? But because I was there right at the very beginning, I caught the flack, didn't I? So. Tell us about I think it's more than constants. Yes, true. But no, I, I'm curious about the how it comes about because obviously th- that's an idea back in the days when you were at Eden Project, um, you would have kind of had that blank canvas and you can do art that fits in with that. Other artists will get commissioned to do pieces. Um, yeah. uh, uh, how does it, how did it work for you? Is it just coming up with an idea um, and putting that together over a year and then looking for a gallery? Um, is that kind of how it works in regards to ideas in regards to actually your bread and butter? Because you also need to uh, have a paycheck to live month to month. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course, I mainly live off my back catalogue, actually. I just take, I've got really good clients. I've had them mainly in America, but I've got a lot in Britain as well. And they buy, they do a lot of properties and they buy a lot of prints. So my back catalogue, they'll just say, what have you got, Paul? And I'll show them loads of stuff out of my back catalogue and say, can you make one of these in this size? And I'll do it like that. Um, I do use galleries, but I don't use them that much anymore because I just don't like giving them the money. (laughs) When I can sell it myself, what's the point of paying a huge commission when you've got a client that's just going to take it, you know? So, and they do take a lot of money. Like when I first started, galleries would take 20%. But I know galleries now in London, they want 50%. I know somebody that's paying 60% to a gallery in London. That's just a huge amount of money. (laughs) But I've never liked liked, um, them taking so much money out of it. Because, you know, half these people have to frame it, pay for everything, do all the work for all that time. And end up getting less than the gallery gets, you know. Mm-hmm. So I won't do that. I'll only work with galleries and I'll send them off my prints and then I'll have to take care of all the framing and things like that. And um, but I don't I, I tend to do a body of work and give a couple of the pieces to a few galleries, then I I just send it off on my client list to to get rid of the others, you know. Mm-hmm. Because um it's just today it's so easy, like when 
see, originally I was, before I lost all my social media and everything, it started off, I was debanked by CardNet for no reason. I just took my CardNet away. I've never had any strike on that account ever, nothing. Only one fraudulent um, transaction in 15 years. And one day, um, well, one day I got a, a phone call from the police and they said, why have you spent £90,000 out of your check account in the last few months? I went, none of your business. I was, in fact, renovating a house, you know. Mm. Three months later, two or three months later, I just got a random letter from Cardnet through the post saying, we're shutting your account. I went, you can't do that. Oh, my, my business account's linked to it, everything. And so it rendered my business account pretty much useless. And it's... Quite a few years back, it's a lot easier now. You don't need it because everyone transfers money on their phone really quickly. You don't need any. You don't even really need those shopping carts anymore. Um, but back then, it was a real problem. And then, of course, straight after that, then they come for my social media, and they took my social media and things like that. And so um, that left me all in the dark. So this is that's the reason why I, I don't bother updating my website anymore. I've got no shopping carts or anything. There's no point. And I might as well just send stuff out. And, um, and to be honest, now I don't work as fast as I used to work because I've obviously got this hand this year and really everything takes me ages to do and the detailing is just like a nightmare. So, um, yeah, so I just started working in a different way because when I had the social media, I could just post something on my social media or in one of my art groups and just get rid of everything really quick. But when they take that away and your business out, you can't just go and get another account after that, after being debanked in that sort, sort of way, because everyone wants to know why, you know? And you're like, so I just thought, well, I'm at a stage now where I'm definitely working slower. Um, I don't, I'm, I've got no mortgages, they're all paid off. I don't have to worry, well, no financial worries. I've got a pension as well. And um, I just thought, well, no, I'm going to, these are my last few years of working before my hands going to totally give up in a couple more years. And then I thought, well, I'm just going to enjoy it. And I'm just going to just do whatever I like. But, um, yeah, so that, that that's what I do. Now. But I try and, I try and find issues that are controversial to work with from the beginning. Um, I've actually been asked to, to go and do some work for Reform UK. Like, I think they mean on the same way I did um, with the Brexit party when I make mm. lots of different images and things yeah. to put out. But I got an email from them the other day and I'm thinking about it. But I'm also caught in a surgery track right now, so I can't really start anything new because I have to, I have, to have this major operation. I really don't want to have it on the NHS. Ramsey Hospital refused to do it because it's a problem caused by the NHS, but they said I can have their surgeon it's got to be in the NHS hospital. But would you want to go into an NHS hospital now for major, major surgery? No, I just don't. I just don't want the operation. I, I can't sort of stuck because I'm, it's, it's an important thing. Because it's a metal. I had an implant put in my body, a metal on metal. I, yeah, about 13 years ago, I had an accident and totally broke my hip. And I said, sorry, it's got to be totally replaced. And I gave me this metal on metal joint. And I said, well, we're going to put this one in. You'll never have to change it again. It turned out those joints gave everyone metallosis, which makes my eyes blur out and things like that. And I didn't know what it was for years and years and years. And I had a, an x-ray checkup um, two years ago. And they said, we've got some bad news for you. That joint should have come out of your body about 10 years ago. And you, for some reason, you was missed. And now you've got to have these tests for metallosis. So I did my blood test, checked my blood metals rocketing high. 
So now I'm in a situation where I'm not allowed to move around on that hip because the more I move around on it, the more metal goes into my blood. Mm. I don't want to have the operation on the NHS, but mm. Ramsey won't do it out in our hospital because it's an NHS problem and it's been left way too long. And the surgery sounds horrendous to fix mm. the problem. And I just, it's not on the NHS. I just can't. It's just too big a risk because I just, I just, I've lost all confidence in them. I mean, I can't remember the last time I actually saw a GP. And see, where I live in the country, there's so much going on. I've, I've never seen so much going on in the countryside ever because literally everywhere on agricultural land, they're putting up giant solar fields, kicking the animals out that used to graze there, taking out all the crops that used to be there, supplying the food chain, and they're putting up these huge solar things. And on top of that, they're ripping out hedgerows, they're concreting over fields that used to have, shot, used to have crops of all sorts of different crops in them, mm. no very crops. And now there's houses estates going up everywhere, and concrete, concrete, all being um loaded onto really high quality um agricultural land greenbelt land and i just don't know how they're getting away with it but the population is people are exodus in the cities i've never i've never in the, in the last 15 years i've lived out here i've never known so many people from from the cities and the large towns want to move to the country so mm. i think they've had enough because the crime rates are terrible people don't want to bring up children in those locations anymore and everyone's coming to the countryside. But the problem is when they come to the countryside, they don't like countryside ways. Like, I mean, this is bonfire season. People are going to be burning all their, everything you can't compost gets burned, basically, or else it just stacks up and rots. Yeah. So they complain about bonfires, but this is how, you know, it's, it's like there's a, whole, there's a whole new complex. So they've done it really nice just down the road. And it's like an old Victorian mill, and mm. it's huge, and it's been converted into luxury apartments. They've done it quite well. I must give them that. All of those apartments are owned by people from London. Yeah. And there's a, there's a street, and I call, I call it Tesla Road, and it's just Teslas all the way along, and all the way along, and they don't take them, they don't come here and drive them back in them. They come down here in their big four-wheelers all loaded up, and when they're here, they're getting their text their um, Tesla, drive around virtue signaling. So um, they can leave them there. And then they just leave them there. So it's like, yeah, this actually, because, you know, because people are like, people don't like electric cars. Very, I've, I've only met one person that likes their electric car. Here, um, so, it, okay, let me pick on that the whole environmental issue. Um, it's not, I, I don't see any arse, any memes certainly nothing in the mainstream press or elsewhere challenging the orthodox view of, of climate change, of man-made climate change. That simply doesn't come out. I mean, is 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 that something that's a possibility of beginning to challenge that and get well, over a different narrative through art? Well, I I used to have um, quite a few environmental groups before they were taken away from me, and they were all against net zero, basically. Yeah. I'm a CO2-loving environmentalist. You know, I've, I joined Greenpeace at 19. I don't agree with anything that they're saying today. I don't think loads of people don't. And people come up with this stat like 97% of scientists agree. 97% of scientists do not agree on anything, mm. you know? And it's just a made-up stat. And you've got all these Nobel laureate um, prize winners. 
and they're saying, look, I don't believe, and more and more are coming out now, I don't believe in it. No, this is not a climate emergency. But it's this, that narrative. I used to have um, a group called Killing the Climatards, and, um, but they all, they all got shut down, basically. So we, we used to, all my people, we used to work as a team together. We used to make loads of memes about that. But um, it is a really, it, I can't, do you know what? I've never, when I was young environment, look what happened to me in London for the Eden Project. Harassed by police, eventually 21 stop and searches. That's what they used to do to environmentalists before the cult of crazy climate change, CO2 narrative came about. And now what I find very interesting is now those movements were all cozied up to the establishment. And I don't think they realise, first of all, they've never read Net Zero. I urge anyone, even if you just scan it and summarise it, everyone's got to have a look at it. Because people do not realise what a massive change that proposal is to their lifestyles. You know, only three outfits a year you're allowed to buy new. It's got some really crazy things in it. Um, all the airports have been shut bar three in Britain. I think that's Belfast, um, I think Belfast, Heathrow, and I can't remember which the other one um, in the north, I think it is, one in Manchester, I don't know, but one of the others. And that is, um, that's what's actually in these proposals when you actually read them. Um, no meat, no meat, you know, it's like, it's the, and the trouble is people go along with this, all this stuff. And if you tell them what's in the paperwork, they won't actually believe you. They'll, and I'll say, go and read it. And they'll go, show me. I was going, no, you've got to do it yourself. The whole point is to do it yourself. Because if I, you've got to go to that government website, you've got to download the document, you've got to look at it and spend time. I can't read for a document point and highlight everything. Uh, but people don't really want to know. Um, but they should want to know because the, the dramatic change in the country and people's lifestyles is going to be huge. Like, mm -hmm. right, for instance, they're building a solar farm on all this fantastic agricultural land a few miles from me. It is absolutely a beautiful landscape and they are ruining it. Cutting down all the trees because they produce shadows and it's just nothing's environmental about it. They're toxic, they're unrecyclable for a start, mm -hmm. solar panels. So they're building that, and that's meant to be supplying this humongous complex they're building, and that's meant to be supplying up to 75% of Britain's solar power needs. Yeah. Well, 75% of Britain's solar power needs is about 0.5 of our whole electrical intake. Hmm. You know, our power, what we need. I mean, I mean, solar provides us for absolutely nothing. I think solar and wind energy together only, I think it provides. They claim 15%, but I think it's actually 4.8 that it actually provides. It might be 4.6. I was watching something on it the other day. Mm. But, we, I mean, all these, they're virtue signaling um, just topics. And, and even the projects are just, they're just there. They're like a vanity project. And nobody wants them. Nobody wants them. I mean, so that that's why I thought, well, as they've got a net zero uh, just a total abolishment of net zero um reclaim uk i thought um let's go for it reform i mean yeah no i, I mean because obviously there is a lot of but the, but it, but there is a lot of anger against ULES about fifteen minute cities against the cost of net zero. I think people are slowly wakening up to the the madness, even just on the cost, the financial cost, but also the restrictions. I think people are getting that it's crazy. 
Yeah. Let me tell you about 15-minute cities. They were not originally called 15-minute cities. They were called urban cell plans. Now, you can literally go onto Google and you can Google urban cell projects, urban cell plans. They're all about putting together a 15-minute city. And this is what's meant to happen. I do not believe they're random. I think, first of all, they'll do a survey in the area, see whose answers they like, and they'll pick them. But they're Mm. meant to pick around 25 to 35 random people in a community then they become a cell group they call them that that those people they put them in a room and those people the local people design their own cell basically but um google it and so but i don't think they're randomly selected i don't think nobody really wants to live in one i mean if you're living in central london and i can maybe think well you know, I walk everywhere anyway, and I don't really care about that. And and maybe because you've got you've got tra- you've got proper transport in London, you've got you know you've got, you've got your tube, you've got good buses. Out where I live, there's nothing. I mean, we've got all these people moving here into the countryside, massively increasing the population of the countryside, building on everything, and there's no public transport. But if you when your kids are young, you have to drive them backwards. When they finish school, you have to drive them backwards and forwards to work every day till mm. they pass their test. I mean, I, I used to drive me mad. I was thinking, yeah, the school runs over. Oh, my God, now the work run begins. Until they get a driving licence. Yep. Because um, there is no public transport here. None. Yeah. How do you – but how do you highlight that? Uh, because there have been marches and things against um, – certainly in London uh, – against against ULES – um, there have been demos in different places on on the fifteen minute cities in different places in the UK because it's a connected plan. It's not just yeah, yeah, yeah. London; it's connected all over. Um, how, I mean, how art has to have a place in the fight back in the education on that issue. Um, do you know what you'll find springing up all over the countryside is things like this. Hmm. Where people are fighting against net zero in every way, and not just that, all the building on on the fields. I mean, it's just shocking. When I used to drive home, I used to come back and I used to drive through all these beautiful crops all the way. Now I just drive there's concrete there, concrete there. It's just everywhere. You can't even see the crops anymore. They're like they've been hidden. So they're at the back, you know, because they're built on the front bits by the roads. So, but our roads are too small to take all these people that are coming in here. So. The traffic outside my house in the last 15 years has doubled, I reckon. Hmm. Doubled. But all these new projects, they, they, they bring out some report and they say, right, this is it's only going to increase the traffic on that road by 5 to 10%. But it's not actually true. It's a lot more because they're also building, because they've got all these up to home going up, they're building loads of industrial parks. And the traffic and the lorries everywhere, because... Where these would originally be outside on the edge of big towns before and cities, you know, because it's easy access for people. Now, because the population boom out in the countryside, they're building them out here. So all we see is just concrete, concrete, Mm. concrete going down absolutely everywhere. I've never seen such an aggressive building project in the whole of my life about what's going on in the country. Because there's just no room for people in the towns because... They've expanded us with so many, let's be honest, it's legal migration. Yeah. And it's just all the resources. I mean, that's probably why I can't even get into hospital, you know. It's because you can't, no, there's, there's no 
infrastructure for what's going on. It's all being built. But what you will notice, there's no loads of charging stations for electric cars being built. No. Because they know that's not going to happen. You're right. Where I where I live, they're they're now. I think the largest block, just two minutes from us, is twenty eight story or maybe thirty story, and it gets higher and higher. And I'm wondering, what do you just put cables out of your window? Do you stack the cars? I mean, the, even practically, if they were pushing this and really did mean to push us all uh, to go electric, there's no physical, practical way of it happening. So something doesn't connect at all. Well, you have to rebuild all the car parts for a start. They've yeah. all got to come down because the electric cars are so heavy. Yeah. Can you see everyone rebuilding all these car parks? No, it's not going on. Can you see all this electric infrastructure for electric cars going up? No, it's not being done. I think it's a load of bullshit. Yeah. It's just not going to happen, and people aren't going to accept it. They know people aren't going to accept it. I mean, great, you make an electric car that's brilliant, and you charge it like once a week or something like brilliant, fantastic. But um, I'm, I'm not opposed to electric cars. I just, I just can't. I, I, the massive changes, people going out and buying all new electric cars, that only work for about six or seven years before you're replacing that battery, 10, 12,000 pounds. Um, it's just it's too much an expense, and you get too little for your money. See, you could go out and spend the same money and buy yourself a really nice car, like a proper mm. car, you know, not like a little toy, you know. And I, I, didn't, I don't like, I just don't. I just don't think it's necessary. I think because the, the whole CO2 narrative is so incredibly um, exaggerated. Like water vapor is the main driver of like um, weather. I mean, it's, it's the main, it's the main um, gas. It's the, it's the main part of the atmosphere that, that controls um, the weather is um, water moisture and the temperature. And the sun's the biggest driver of temperature. I mean, getting rid of the sea produces most of the CO2 massively it's like more than 50 percent of the sea will produce we produce like this tiny little amount of co2 compared to nature that's the reality of it if it was a, if it was like a meter rule hmm. our co of co2 we would be somewhere in the last centimeter of what we produce we produce hardly anything but yet they want to go to war with us over it and um and just totally it's more about control and they just want to basically re- massively degrade our lifestyles that we've become used to in the West and taken for granted, maybe. But um, that they definitely want to take away from us. They're not giving us anything on this project. They're mm-hmm. taking from us. It's not going to improve anyone's life at all, you know? Yeah, no, completely. Can I ask you, um, on your website, uh, one of the sections was floral anarchy. And yeah. that even word anarchy you kind of i would have thought of that connected to not only the music industry but also the art industry this rage against the machine this like a noisy teenager sharing all their emotions not conforming to the norm um but i imagine that people like you it must be actually now quite difficult for you to get somewhere to show your art because you don't conform it seems the whole thing seems to have flipped and the whole purpose of art to make you I, think yeah. seems to have flipped you can't be controversial in the art world anymore unless it's over certain subjects and it has yeah. to be like um it has to be in support of every issue and then you can't be controversial like if you try and be controversial, 
controversial in any way, there's always some moron telling you off. And um, it can be other artists, it can be members of the public, and they're all entitled to do whatever they like, but I just don't see how people get offended so easily. And what do they expect? I mean, when you make artwork, you don't want to make, don't want to just make nice, pretty artwork. Um, I mean, you, can, you have to make some because you have to make money. But I mean, um, but you, there's certain things you just concentrate on, and they are more important, you know, than than whatever. Look, you're not going to go into an art magazine because the last piece I've just, I've just made is more likely to be in a storm in the paper than what it would be to go into an art magazine. An art magazine won't touch it. And that's sort of, but once they would have, you know, once they would have. But now it's just, I probably have, um, well, probably have a, a riot outside my house if I would put, I'm actually quite worried about releasing it. It's, um, it's that edgy. But, um, yeah. But, but you know, I mean, very conformist. Because art is supposed to tell a story. And if it no longer, if the only story it tells is the narrative, um, because art seems to become extension of the, the government narrative over the certainly over the last three years on COVID and probably even before that. But I've certainly noticed from the outside looking in over uh, the last three and a half years, the COVID narrative has become the narrative being pushed in the art world generally. Yeah, it is. It is. And um, it, it, they, they go along with everything now. They, you know, I, I know very few artists that actually go against these narratives and loads of them will not do it publicly and you see the same thing with scientists with different opinions and you see what happens to them publicly you know look how many doctors used to um you know be on telly flogging the vaccine then months later they're on that you know who i'm talking about as well and months later they're doing conferences saying don't take the vaccine I know the people that pushed it, you know, and also it's really interesting right now. It's like that. My COVID work's trying to become relevant again because they're doing the COVID inquiry, aren't they, about the excess deaths. And the most, the I, I watched them try and squirm their way out of it. And you cannot break that statistic that in young people, there's 10% more young people dying. And um, I watched this doctor on TV the other day, try on talk, talk TV, I think it was. And, um, yeah, and basically you say it was maybe because they couldn't get their medication. Young people aren't on medication. God, you don't start taking medication till in your forties, I don't think. I've never it when I was young, you know. No, that's that's how, did they, how how are you getting these ten percent people? But they won't tell you which how many of them vaccinated. Yeah. But they did really well with the young kids because they basically um blackmailed them, said you can't go on holiday, you can't travel, you can't do anything unless you're vaccinated. And even my children, I told them not to take it. Because the holiday thing, they went and took it. And they're constantly catching COVID. And I've never caught it. I'm totally unvaccinated. You know, I've had them in my house nursing them when they've got COVID. And I'm your dad. I said, how many jabs? <laughs> but you can't, they, none of them have having anymore. Actually, not even my mum's having anymore, you know. I mean, people have, people have pretty much woke up to it. And, and people sort of wave off all these absolutely known problems with vaccine yeah. that even that Pfizer put on their own site and people go no conspiracy or anything no there's definitely something here there's too many excess deaths and people say all right i just shut down the nhs for two years yeah of course it did they're idiots but um i can't believe they actually did that i mean i'll tell you a story right? i was lucky enough to get into surgery um during covid because i had 
an orange warning so I, I have a medical problem i went into a ramsey hospital right and when i turned up there you they don't accept the government's test the government test they wouldn't accept so i went in there and i sat down i took my blood sat down done my swabs and just everything and i said why didn't you um why don't you accept the government test and the woman said because it's not very good and it tests positive for everything and that's exactly what she said and how many people did you see testing all sorts of different things for covid like coca-cola everything and it's just true it's a shit test and it really bumped up the covid figures yeah. and that's that's why it was a shit test because they they knew it shit. It, they'll, it, will, it will literally test for common colds anything will come up with coronavirus because they are coronaviruses a cold is a coronavirus and um so it comes up with every general coronavirus going around you know but, you know, also, there's no masks in Ramsey hospitals. None at all. You don't wear a mask. You just sit there normally in bed. But then I had to go and spend two weeks in Bath RUH. And in that two weeks, it was a totally different narrative. Tests every day, masks on everywhere. And I still never caught it in hospital for two weeks with everyone around me with COVID, in COVID ward. And I, I went and I, t I took a trip around the wards one night and every ward was shut and, and they were saying the hospitals are bursting the hospitals are packed it was all shut hmm. no staff like that hospital um, employs over five thousand people probably had about 150 staff there the others were at home getting paid and yeah. now i'm mean, all pretending you know oh well the hospitals are bursting they weren't they were all shut down and people were just left so that hmm. does explain a lot of excess deaths definitely because People had their cancer treatment and everything pushed right back, right back, and now, um, and now we're paying the consequences. But also, there's there's definitely an element of vaccine in there. There is yeah. definitely that element. I mean, it's surely it's undeniable at this point. It's just just on simply the stats of young deaths, an extra ten percent of young people dying, extra ten percent. That is a huge amount of people, hmm. you know. And, with, and no explanation. So they've started this inquiry. And um, I'll be interested to see how they're going to try and cover it up. This is what, you know, what we think. Because they will. They will. And the only voice of reason is, and by the time this interview airs, uh, Andrew Bridgen will have had his debate on vaccine harms in Parliament, the first debate in whatever. It's just absolutely ludicrous. I know. I know. Uh, can I ask you, let, can I kind of, kind of finish off on the limits of art? Um, to one cartoonist recently and then one from quite a while ago cartoonist recently uh steve bell uh, one of the guardians probably oldest cartoonist has just i think been suspended or sacked uh, because he did something on what's happening in israel which is regarded as anti-semitic and then if you go back bob moran uh, uh was artist for i think the telegraph daily telegraph and he was sacked because of his artwork on covid given the different narrative um can where the are there kind of any red lines or should art just kind of go wherever to tell wherever the story and challenge thinking? Wherever it wants. There's no rules or limitations. Um, I actually studied at the same university of Bob Moran and the other week got sent something. We're in their, their list of um, famous alumni. And, we, and I didn't know he went there. I don't, I'd be interested if he went there when I was there. But um, also, I, I, he was up, I think he was up at Comic-Con, wasn't he? 
I didn't meet him. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I've ever met him. I may have met him in a show at some point, but I don't think I've ever met him. But I'd like to meet him. I like his artwork. I like his yeah. artwork. He's a beautiful draftsman. Yeah. Um, but 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 that again, that's the difficulty of getting your art out because that only worked as someone else then think took him on board and then his art got out. Um, it's extremely extremely popular because one of the few artists that tells a different it. narrative on COVID. Um, but I assume that it would be difficult for him to get a uh, a kind of art studio and actually have that in person. It all goes well, online, doesn't it? Internet. Well, I tell you, the internet changed everything. Last first I saw, I ever knew that I had a website. I used to say to people, "This is it. It's going to work. Going to sell artwork on the web." And people said, "But you'll never sell art on the web. You'll never. People want to see it in real life." And now everyone does it. You know? mm. I mean, I used to be able to put something on Facebook. I just think. As soon as it goes on there, you'd be selling from it. But, you know, I haven't got that access anymore. But what I have is a lot of loyal fans I've had for years and collectors. So I can always go to my – when I because I don't produce a lot of work now, I can't. It's just, it just takes me so long to do it. Yeah. I'll just ring a collector and say, well, I've done this, send them the image, and I'll go, yeah, send it over. And, and that's, um, that's what I love about having collectors. But it takes a lot of time to build them up. And when I was younger, I had to do loads of shows all the time and um, group shows, solo shows. And I, I didn't, I, I, I prefer to not do it, not have to do it at all. And now I try to do it as little as possible, as little as possible. I mean, but, but that's given you that platform that you're now using effectively. Well, all that hard work has, is actually paying off. Yeah, it's paid off. But I, but I did have to sell a few assets. Um, when once I went out of full-time production because I can't, I can't, I literally approach what I do now as almost like a hobby. I have like two hobbies, doodling with art and drawing little pictures and things and winding up Ron Brand. Basically, they're my hobbies. My favourite one at the moment is winding up Ron Brand. He's the most <laughs> miserable old man I've ever met in my life. But I, did, I love winding him up. I do it every day. I did it all day yesterday because I was bored. It's, it's, a good, it's a good hobby. No, he hates me. Hey, on on your your latest, we'll not say discuss what it's about, but simply your your latest work. Will will you look at putting that on the website? Is that where people can find it? Uh, will it be others putting it out on their social media I, channels, I, or you have an exhibition? I haven't decided yet. I know somebody wants it, um, but it's about Planned Parenthood. Okay. And it, um, it's it's like a typical thing I pick, and it is when I made it, I looked at it and I thought, "You're going to get so much crap for that. You're going to get so much crap. Do you really want to go through that again? <laughs> Do you really want to?" And you know, when I was younger, I would have wanted to go through it again, but now I just don't see things in what time I used to. I find it quite it's boring. Getting this, you know, you I can I know who's gonna be sending me the emails, I know what the email's gonna say, I know they're gonna hack somebody's gonna try and hack my site as revenge, or somebody will do that, and it's just a pain in the ass. So you could I might as well just ring a collector and say, Look, do you want that? <laughs> and then just bypass the whole lot, you know what I mean? Because it's a lot easier like that. I always, you know, I, I've had to do some to, to readjust my life. I had to do some things. I had to sell off some of the things I was leaving for the kids. I haven't told them that yet. Paintings I had in storage. Um, they're going away in November. Um, and 
but I sort of love what, how I do things now because I don't have any pressure like I used to have. Like I've got a deadline, this has to be done for that. Because I can't do deadlines with this hand. I can't because it's so hard for me to hold. It takes me so long. If I think I'm going to get that done in a month, probably realistically end up taking me four or five months. Mm. I mean, I started working on a uh, where's tranny meme, you know, from the where's Wally thing. Yeah. And mine could not hold the pen. I would get like five or six minutes in and wow. my hand was shaking like that and I just couldn't do it. And I, I thought I'd do it five minutes a day and it was going nowhere. And I thought, oh, I can't be bothered. Somebody else is going to have done one by, by the time I release this. And, um, and they're not easy things to sell when you do those type of things. Hmm. So I thought, well, you know, it can wait, but I, I have got somebody to start me up a new meme group, but it's not, you know, all ready for the elections. Um, but the problem is, is I haven't got social media. So it's other people mm. doing things for me all the time. So you don't have that. You don't have any direct contact with people in your own name. I mean, even if I want to spy on my kids, I have to bring up one of my friends in America and say, look, can you make me an account from over there? Because I've got a VPN. They catch me all the time as soon as I go on that. It doesn't work at all. So I have to bring up one of my friends in America. I said, can you make me an account from over there and send me the details? So I go on and I hopefully... That, that account will last for about a month before somehow they find out it's me. But they yeah. always do. Because um, I think I was totally 77th related. I'm, mm. I totally, there's no doubt in my mind. I was putting out, I was, putting out, I was making a lot of anti-war memes about Ukraine, a lot of memes about Ukrainian Nazis. And, and then they come for me. And I was up at Iconic, yeah. and I was talking to David Icke, and I was, he leant against the wall and he looked at me and he goes, what'd they get you for in the end? And I went, dangerous personal organisation. And at that time, we were talking a lot about 77th Brigade, and I think mm. that's, that's the path they take. But on the day they took me, they also took about eight of my colleagues. So we all lost everything. So we can't yeah. communicate or network. That's why I was hoping to get all give me groups. But without yeah, groups, yeah. I can't do anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. I use my Getter account, but only to read things on there. I don't bother to post things on there or anything. I just, it's just, um, it's. I do like the platform a lot because it's you can say what you like on there, and I love that. So that's why I go there and read other people's stuff. Because so, like you'll see, uh, you'll see articles by journalists that have been totally um, pushed out of any mainstream. So you'll get, you can get, you can get a lot of information from there, but. Um, mm. It's um, it's a bit of an echo chamber, though. That's that is the, the problem. There's not enough people arguing about stuff on there. There's too many people agreeing with stuff, and that's what I that's what I don't. It's, oh, I agree. The argument. No, you, you end up using whatever's available. So with Gab having groups, with Truth Noy having groups, um, so you kind of look around and see what's available and they all provide, I think each social media side provides something slightly different. Um, but you're right. Getter's uh, front end is, is clean and it works. Um, something like Gab, it works usually can have more off days. So yeah. Um, use what's available. Don't you? Yeah. I, my emails and phone number won't sign me up to any social media. Hmm. It's got a total block. So I can't even get on true social. 
it's absolutely ridiculous. And if I kept going and getting new phones and new numbers and new emails, it's just endless. And yeah. I just can't, and I just can't, I don't, I managed to successfully sort of put something together outside not having social media. And that's, that's all right. I'm quite content with it. But um, it was a it was a big shocker when you when you get your shopping carts taken, your card taken, all your access to all your clients, all the people that buy your art, like everything's gone. You think, my God, they've just they've just basically taken my income away, mm. and, and that's what they did to shut you up, and that's what they did to a lot of people, you know. And you know, I you know, I like Nigel a lot. Um, I really loved him. A show on GB News. You did um, Pints with Nigel. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, it's it good. I liked him a lot. But when he was debanked, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know what I mean. I was really happy because yeah. it needed to have somebody needed to sit somebody that was truly famous. Mm. Um, it needed to happen to someone like that so you so we could all see it because loads of people it was happening to. I know yeah. loads of people it happened to, and um, and so Nigel really shone a spotlight on it so i was really pleased he did that i was really pleased he went public with it because a yeah. lot of things that people would think oh well, i don't want to tell anyone you know i'll keep that quiet you know but he went he went we went for it and i i think he done a brilliant job and i'm glad he's got a lloyd's account you yeah. know that's something he, he, at least he can get going again and um but but lloyd's for the people that debanked me so so i know well, as you pointed out, it happened to you and it's happened to many people. You're right. It's good that someone high profile with that size of platform can highlight this injustice yeah. and hopefully fix it. So, yeah, I agree. Um, Paul, I appreciate you coming on. I am looking forward to that new piece of artwork. It's a topic oh, which you. I am passionate about. Probably my red, as a Christian, that I would say that is my, that is my red line. So I am... I'm absolutely thrilled that you you've done something on that. I know I will. <laughs> I just it. want to say I'll, it has to go public somehow. I know. I'll do it. I'll do it. I might. I don't know. I might do an event. I, I, uh, Jenny keeps talking to me about doing events and things, but honestly, I'm I'm at the point now where I'm just so I know I totally know what's going to happen. You know, I've already had Antifa say to me before that if I do any events, they will um protest them. And yeah. um, so I, I have to deal with all that, and uh, and I just think, can I be bothered when I can just get the money and sell it? You know. Mm. Well, let's you um, to put yourself every time, isn't it? You know? I know, no, no. We, we we will carry the conversation on this offline because I certainly uh, want to nudge you in the right direction of telling the world. So don't <laughs> uh, don't just let a few people have access. Let the world have access. I, um, I, will, I will produce an image. I'll produce an image of it to go out at some point. But it's a piece of sculpture. Um, perfect. But yeah, it's going to be fun when I do let it go. Well, it's going to be a look forward and we will certainly promote it uh, as much yeah. as we can and get others. You, but you go out on the piss again, Peter. I have, agree. Have you seen the photos of the last time we were out? Have you seen them? I look deranged. My glasses were on crooked across my face. <laughs> I'm, I'm I, 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 re <laughs> I, I remember it well, Conker. That was a that was a fantastic catch up of so many yeah. people. Everyone met was in the right place, all I at the same time. It was brilliant. And hadn't met you but before. Yeah. I know it was good fun. Um, yeah, it was. Paul, 
great con- thank you so much for coming on sharing love what you do uh, love your uh, passion and willingness to engage on the topics that, that many others shy away from it makes you unique and uh, one of the I was going to say old timers what art should be about well, so thank you I'm on the wrong side of 55 you know? <laughs> <laughs> I can feel it I've got arthritis everywhere you know? oh, yeah. no, no thanks so much Paul thanks Paul if you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list, donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofvoke.org. Thank you for listening.